Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Loaded third and final hour. Zach Gelb show on this Monday. CBS Sports Radio. We'll get to no huddle offense in just a second. Seth Joyner, the former NFL linebacker, will stop by 20 minutes from now. And then coming up at 5.40 p.m. Eastern, 2.40 p.m. Pacific, we will get Pat's pick. As Pat Boyle has a big play on this game tonight, and we'll actually find out if he's a good gambler or not instead of just posting all these winnings that he has. But we never see the entirety of Pat's pick, so we'll find out a lot tonight about Pat Boyle. And we'll also uh, address Shohei Otani, a $700 million contract over 10 years, which really isn't 10 years with all the deferrals. But geez, Louise, when I saw that over the weekend, I was like kind of stunned because if he was still able to pitch next year, you knew you were going to be paying for two positions in one contract. But to see him still get $700 million with another injury and he's not going to be able to pitch for a year, I was shocked by that. Now, he's worth every penny. Don't get me wrong. He's the most exciting player in baseball. And it does seem right that he ends up going to the Dodgers. Because people were speculating, oh, Toronto, John Morosi and... The Toronto Blue Jays were used by the Otani camp. There's no doubt about it. Because you knew he was going to stay on the West Coast. I thought he was leaving the Angels, and I thought it was going to be either the Dodgers or the Giants. I said the, the Giants a few months ago, so that's why I was sticking with that. But the Giants can never land the big star. And now you get a lineup that will feature Mookie Betts, which, man, oh, man, the Red Sox trading Mookie Betts is maybe one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in the history of sports. And they got basically nothing back for him. And they traded Verdugo, who they got in the deal, over to the Yankees, which makes that look even worse. But now you have Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Shohei Otani in the same lineup. Dodgers ever get some healthy pitching, they could be a force to be reckoned with. Um, But there's always that feeling of the Dodgers will find a way to mess it up when the big games do happen. But at least Otani will be in the postseason. I feel confident in saying that because that's been one of the biggest injustices with the sport that you have this great player, but you didn't get to see him in the postseason because the Angels don't know the difference between their elbow and their ass uh, the last few years. They try to uh, spend a lot of money. They they definitely try. They try to get the big players, but they don't know how to win. So there's my thoughts on a Shohei Otani. We'll get more into that coming up 40 minutes from now in Onside Offside, which we do every Monday and Friday here on CBS Sports Radio. We got two more games left in Week 14, but it is a Monday, so we get to a no-huddle offense. Hit it! Let's <laughs> go! 
Touchdowns, sacks, upsets, and last-minute heroics. Another NFL Sunday is in the books, and we've got you covered with the biggest plays and sound bites from another wild week in the National Football League. It's time for No Huddle Offense on the Zach Gelb Show. My man Debo Samuel, my BFF Debo, even though he hung up on me this summer, he has been ridiculous the last two weeks. And we all know what he did in Philadelphia, put it up a hat trick. And then he goes on a Sunday for seven catches, 149 yards, and two total touchdowns against the Seahawks. Run CMC, 16 carries for 145 yards. He's sensational. Brock Purdy looking pretty awesome. Rocking out with his Brock out, 19 of 27 for 368 yards and two touchdowns. Desmond uh, Howard probably says he got that big Brock energy, I would imagine. And by the way, at the Heisman Trophy presentation, I love RG3. Do we need RG3 bringing up the Desmond Howard clip of the big Penix energy? Right when this guy is on stage with the other finalists, that's what RG3 is going to do at a classy ceremony like the Heisman Trophy. But man, Brock Purdy's looking amazing. And uh, Drew Locke played fine for the Seahawks. They were in it for a little bit. But uh, let's hear George Kittle put the game away 28-16 to 16, as uh, Brock Purdy found him for a 44-yard touchdown. Play action to him. Purdy going to throw it on the sideline. Kittle's got it. The flag is down. 10-5. Touchdown! San Francisco! So now you look at the 49ers. I'll, be, I'll say it. You know, I'm not the first one to say it. They're the best team, not only the NFC. They're the best team in football, period. And it's not even close. You look around the rest of the football. Well, you're a Cowboy fan. Oh, what about us? You got blown out by the San Francisco 49ers. Eagle fan. Oh, what about us? You just got blown out by the San Francisco 49ers two weeks ago. No one else in the NFC you could really make a case for. The Lions now have lost two games in what their last three. And then you go to the AFC. Yeah, the Ravens are awesome. But it's not even close to talent that the 49ers have compared to the Ravens. The Buffalo Bills... After one win against the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm not ready to say that the Bills are back. They got to go beat the Dallas Cowboys next week. Miami Dolphins, you got a really good team. But is your defense going to perform well up against the San Francisco 49ers? And I said this before the season about the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are San Francisco light. I really do believe that. Like, they remind me a lot like the 49ers. The 49ers are just better. So it's clear. In a lot of ambiguity through the first 14 weeks of this season, where you don't really know how to feel about all these teams outside of a three-week stretch where Trent Williams was hurt and Debo Samuel was hurt, the 49ers have been near perfect. Yeah, they lost those three games in a row, but when this team has their weapons, Brock Purdy, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, they are so tough to beat. And they don't make it to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl this year, it'll be a massive disappointment. Vikings and Raiders, we have highlights from this game. The Vikings win 3-0 on a field goal. Ivan Pace Jr. with an interception in the fourth quarter. This is the highlight. 3-0 Minnesota with 157 to go. Connell takes the snap, throws over the middle. Intercepted! Yes! Picked off at the 34-yard line! And the Las Vegas Raiders have gone bust in a game against the Minnesota Vikings thanks to Ivan Pace Jr. And Ivan with his first National Football League interception... 
has knocked out the Raiders, and the Minnesota Vikings are going to win 3-0. Paul Allen is the most entertaining play-by-play guy that we have. Even Paul Allen couldn't make that game exciting. Josh Dobbs was benched in the game, 10-23 for 63 yards. Aiden O'Connell, well, he had 21 passes completed out of 32 for 171 yards and the interception that you just heard. This is the seventh 3-0 game in the Super Bowl era, and it's only the second 3-0 final score in the last 30 years. Miami and Pittsburgh did so in 2007. I'll just ask this question to both of you guys. Is 3-0 the worst score that you could ever have in an NFL game? Pat Boyle, you first. No. 2 nothing would be worse. I disagree. I'll get to that in just a second. Stu Kovacs. Uh, no, I think 2 nothing is better because at least the safety is kind of more retaining exactly. than a field goal. It's it, a memorable play. It's the play. worst. It's the worst. A safety is at least an exciting, memorable play. A field goal? That's a bunch of nonsense. When did we ever start respecting kickers around here? <laughs> the only thing that would maybe be uglier is 0-0 overtime. So you get nothing in the first 60 minutes, and then you go into overtime, and no one is able to give you a win or a loss outcome. That's the only thing that I could argue. But at least, at least both teams, if it was 0-0, they both deserve a tie. N- none of those teams deserve to win. <laughs> the Vikings didn't deserve to win, and certainly the Raiders didn't deserve to win. Eh, that's a fair point that you bring up. Talking about a game that was exciting. Talking about a game that actually had some points. Rams and Ravens. 37-31 in overtime. Tylen Wallace. We all knew who he was before the game, right? Well, the game gets the overtime after a great kick. But then in overtime, Ravens go three and out to give the ball back to the Rams. The Rams could do nothing. And then Tylen Wallace fielded a punt. The referees missed an illegal block in the back. But that doesn't matter because the flag wasn't thrown. And you had a 76-yard game-winning punt return. Wallace settles under it at the 25. Gets a block. Comes to the near side. 30. Spins out of one tackle. 35. Along the near sideline. 40. He's at midfield. Wallace to the 40. Still on his feet. 30. 20. 10. Celebration time. No flags. Wallace in the end zone. Hayes in the barn. And the Ravens win it in overtime. That... <laughs> Those are that's how you seal a game. Those refs, by the way, are so happy that the Chiefs offside was called. Because we all like to examine officiating and all you dweebs on social media, they like to slow down the play and show it three thousand times. Because of how big that Chiefs Bills offside was, which was clearly an offside penalty on Kadarius Tony. You usually only get like one officiating complaint a week. There's a lot more that you could get to, but one that really sticks nationally, and that's the one. But everyone would have been commenting on this Ravens-Rams no illegal block in the back call if it wasn't for the fact that Kadarius Tony didn't line up like basically a full yard offside. But still, it was a great game, classic game. Cooper Cup was awesome. Eight catches for 115 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Matthew Stafford, 23 of 41, 294 yards, three touchdowns. The Ravens ran for 139 rushing yards. And Lamar Jackson had a big day. 316 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and completed 24 passes. I think the Ravens are the best team in the AFC. As long as the great eight stays healthy, I believe the Baltimore Ravens, and I've been saying this the last few weeks, will be in the Super Bowl. But you've got to get the job done. Like, we talk about the 49ers. They don't win the Super Bowl this year. It's an embarrassment. You look at the AFC when the Chiefs are vulnerable. They already have five losses. The Dolphins, they have not beat a great team yet this season, even though their offense is so fun to watch. There's not a lot of teams that are standing there that you believe in. 
You can make the case you believe in no teams in the AFC. There will be no easier road for the Ravens to get to the Super Bowl than this year. They have a really damn good defense. And even though they don't have the great names on the offensive side of the ball, in terms of who to throw the football to, Lamar Jackson is playing at a really high level. Bucks and Falcons. This was a wild game. So this was 19 to 10 Bucks going into the fourth quarter. And then the next thing you know, it looked like Atlanta was going to win this game. And then Baker Mayfield gets the football to Kate Auden for an 11-yard strike. This made it 29 to 25 Tampa Bay. It's second down and six from the 11-yard line. Good snap. Mayfield looking. Throws the ball left. There's a caught ball. Caught ball. Touchdown. Kate Tampa Otten. Bay. Cade Otten makes it over the shoulder catch. And the Bucs retake the lead. I love Gene Deckeroff. The only thing that would be better if that game was in Tampa Bay because then he would be screaming, fire the cannons, fire the cannons, fire the cannons. 29-25, Bucks take care of business against the Atlanta Falcons. Once again, Rashad White had a touchdown in the third quarter to make it 19-10 Tampa Bay. Then B. John Robinson had a touchdown run to make it 19-17. Tampa Bay was still on top. Then Chase McLaughlin made a field goal to extend the Tampa Bay lead 22-17. Then Desmond Ritter on a six-yard run. The two-point conversion was good to Drake London, who was sensational in this game at over 170 receiving yards to make it 25 to 22 in favor of Atlanta. And then with 31 seconds left, Cade Auden gets the touchdown from Baker Mayfield to make it 29 to 25. And then there was a Hail Mary that was completed, but I think it was Drake London. He was tackled right at the four yard line and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win. Now you have three NFC South teams at six and seven. I don't believe in the Saints. At least the Bucks. Right, they have some strong defensive players, even with some injuries. I'm going to go back to, even though they lost yesterday, that Atlanta's offensive talent finds a way to win out, even without having a quarterback, basically. But guys like Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, and Drake London will find a way to get to eight wins, probably wins that division, maybe nine at most, and Atlanta will have a home playoff game. Jaguars and Browns, Joe Flacco, elite. Here's a 41-yard touchdown pass to a man out of Purdue that I loved as a college football wide receiver, David Bell, as Joe Flacco goes 26 of 45, 311 yards, three touchdowns in a Cleveland Browns win. Flacco on fourth down and three. Play clock is at five. I don't know if they're going to snap it. Play clock is at two. They do. He rolls right. He throws the middle. It's wide open. Down at the 25, at the 20, 15, 10, five. Touchdown. It's David Bell. Woof, woof. How about the Cleveland Browns? Here we go, Brownies. Here we go. Hoo, hoo. Now, I'm not a Cleveland Browns fan. Pat Boyle grew up as a Cleveland Browns fan, but has since given up on that football team. Now with Joe Flacco as the quarterback for the rest of the season, even though protocols had to put him on the practice squad back uh, today, but he'll get a deal for the rest of the season. Are you back in on your Cleveland Browns, Pat Boyle? No. No. Why not? Joe Flacco's been a great story. He's playing elite. I also watched Joe Flacco like look like a human statue last year with the Jets. I know what Joe Flacco's about. He's a Super Bowl MVP. Mm-hmm. He's a champion. He's elite. Yeah. Well, no, not anymore. He's not. Yeah, he is. He's elite. No, he's, he's not. He's always been elite. Come on. Stop. He's never been average. He's always been elite. He's not. He's not. He played a great game, and I got to give it to him. Mm-hmm. And Trevor Lawrence obviously was not 100%. Yeah, high ankle sprain. The Jaguars, this is the time to play them right now. They played them at a good time. The Browns, they Flacco did a great job. Look, They're Kevin, making the playoffs, though. Kevin, I'll give Kevin Stefanski this. He deservedly won Coach of the Year two years ago. He is top five coach in the NFL, 
and the fact that they have used four quarterbacks this year, that they are, you know, is it Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Deshaun Watson can't play, it's P.J. Walker, now it's Joe Flacco. The great P.J. Walker out of Temple. Yes, the great P.J. Walker, and they are 8-5, and five, and they've got the best defense, arguably, in the NFL, and they're in a position to make the playoffs. With Miles Garrett hurt now, and you have Nick Chubb done for the season. Yes, and they lost Nick Chubb, good point, because I feel like a lot of people just gloss over that. One of the best running backs in football. Kevin Stefanski is going to be probably a favorite to win NFL Coach of the Year again. D'Amico Ryans, maybe. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out. Shane Steichen, if the Colts make the playoffs. Yes, he's done a great job as well. Mm-hmm. Gardner Minshew. Mishaw. Mishu. I don't <laughs> want to say his name. We know, we know a fellow New York radio host can't get his yeah. name right. Anyway, the Browns have done a great job. No, I'm not back in on them. I'm not a fan of the They're team. They're making the playoffs, though. For, for Browns fans that thought this season was over a month ago, then thought it was over again three weeks ago, Maybe still don't think that this team can really do anything in the playoffs. They can't. They're eight but it's, and five. A, it's a nice ride. It's a nice ride for them, but they're not beating Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. Sure. They are but not no going to be. saying that. So what are we saying? We're, we're saying they're going to make the playoffs. No one's sitting here today saying the Cleveland Browns are a Super Bowl contender. They're not going to win a playoff game even if they do make the playoffs. With that defense, they could find a way to win a playoff game if they get the right matchup. They're eight and five. Their last four games. The Bears, the Texans, the Jets, and the Bengals. They better uh, win two of them. They'll, they will. They'll be te- they'll be a 10-win team this year. You sure? Yeah. I just said it. Unlike you, I, I say everything that, I, that, that, I, that, that I think, I believe, I say it, and yeah. I can see the Browns. <laughs> I can see the Browns maybe squeaking out a win in one of these next three games. Probably the maybe? Jets. Maybe? Yes. I can see the Browns being 9-7. and seven. Winners in on the final day of the season against the Bengals. Jake Browning and Joe Jake Flacco. Browning beats him. Okay, I would. I would like that final game of the season. That could be a Sunday Night Football NBC game. Bum bum ba da bum bum ba da ba da ba da ba da bum. And finally, Texans and Jets. Zach Wilson, a 15-yard touchdown pass to Old Man Cobb, Randall Cobb. Shotgun. Zach Wilson to his left. Here's Brees Hall. He drops back to throw. Has time. Sidearms one over the middle. It's cut. Running right. Randall Cobb at the 10. Five. Into the end zone. That's a jet touchdown. What a performance. Zach is back. Zach Wilson. Yeah, for one game. 27 to 36. 301 yards and two touchdowns. Bad game by the Texans. However, they're seven and six. I'm still not concerned. When you have a young quarterback, a first-year head coach, those types of inexcusable games are going to happen. Uh, You had a... the receiver, Nico Collins, go down with an injury after losing Tank Dell for the season. Their final four games, you have two against Tennessee. You have Cleveland, the great Cleveland Browns, and then also the Indianapolis Colts to finish off the season. It's congested in the AFC. There's no doubt about it, but I still believe that C.J. Shroud will lead this team to the playoffs. That is your Week 14 no-huddle offense. Seth Joyner will join us next. Where is his concern level with the Philadelphia Eagles? Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, it is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Let's go out to the guest line right now. Welcome in a Super Bowl champion, a three-time Pro Bowler, and that, of course, is the former NFL linebacker in Seth Joyner. Kind enough to join us right now on CBS Sports Radio. Seth, appreciate the time as always. How you been? You guys, Zach, everything's great, man. Yourself? Yeah, I'm doing fantastic and appreciate you jumping on board. So the Eagles, the last two weeks, they got their doors blown off against the 49ers and the Cowboys on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 no concern in the world, 10 all the concern in the world. Where's your concern level at with these Philadelphia Eagles team? Oh, I mean, it's definitely, you know, all the concern, and most certainly at a 10. Um, you know, to start your season off, you get the nine and one, then you get the ten and one, and you know you've got complete control over your destiny as far as the division is concerned, as far as the conference is concerned, and in two weeks all of that evapor- evaporates away. Um, to say that you know the fans, the the media, um, and, and to a certain extent the team should be concerned with where they are and how they've played the last you know two games, you know, is, is an understatement in my opinion. How do they get this right? Well, listen, I, I think that, you know, when you're when you're winning, um, it's easy to kind of gloss over the things that, you know, it's easy to gloss over your flaws and the things that, you know, you, the mistakes that you make because you find a way to win. I think that there are some fundamental flaws, you know, with this football team that, you know, in week 14, 15, um, you're not going to be able to fix those things. They are what they are. Um you know, obviously they can play better. They can execute their offense and their defense much better. But I think that there are some fundamental and technical flaws with this football team. Um, you know that are that are irreparable at this point in time. Seth Joyner here with us. What kind of performance do you think you'll see out of Seattle? Uh, they they play them on Monday when the Eagles go up against Seattle. Uh, we know the Seahawks need a, a win in the worst way, but now for Philadelphia. Now, this is where we're going to find out what they're made out of because they start to lose three in a row, uh, then a lot more people are going to start piling on with this team. So what response do the Eagles have on Monday night? Well, listen, we thought the same thing after um, after the San Francisco game. You know, now's the time to find out, you know, what this football team is actually made of because, you know, the division is now on the line and, you you know, your, your, your lead in the, in the conference has dwindled to one game. Um, that was the time to really show what they were made of. Um, and they came out last night against the Cowboys on national TV and pretty much, you know, laid an egg. You know, I, I didn't see the effort. I didn't see the urgency, none of that stuff. You know, so now when you lose games like that, you give up 75 points in two games total. You're giving up 37 and a half points over the last two weeks. Um other teams, the teams that are left on your schedule that at one point when you were, um, you know, the talk of the league, um, now all of a sudden those teams look at you as gettable. So this isn't going to be a cakewalk going into Seattle. The Eagles haven't won in Seattle in a long time. They've never beat, beaten Pete Carroll, as a matter of fact. So now you, you have to go to Seattle. That game has been flexed to a Monday night game. So now you're out on Front Street again 
for the world to see. And you're going to face a, a, a Seattle team whose back is, backs are against the wall, who now believe, you know, that they can beat you. And they're going to give you their best shot. And now you're going to have to find out whether this football team has got that fight in them. Because, you know, from here on out, I mean, even though they got the Giants, the Cardinals and the Giants, you know, to end the season, if you think that those those two teams don't think that they can beat the Eagles based upon what they've witnessed the last two weeks, then you're crazy. Because they believe now that, hey, we can get a win against, you know, what used to be the elite team in the National Football League. How do you think, Seth, that we're talking about this team at the end of the season? Like, right now, okay, the last two weeks have been brutal. As you said, it's tough to turn it around and correct some of these issues this late in the season. But how do you see the rest of the season playing out? Like, what round do you think this team is heading towards in the playoffs? Well, listen, I mean, with a snap of a finger in two weeks, they've gone from the number one seed to the number five seed. And they've got a one lead, a one game lead on the Cowboys on a division, you know. So obviously, you know, another loss could spell absolute doom for them, mm-hmm. um, you know, from not only a divisional standpoint, but also from the uh, from the conference standpoint. Um, they've just got to execute better, you know. Um, they've got to play with more of a sense of urgency as to where they are and you know what needs to happen. They need to coach better. The the offense and the defense needs to, you know, have a lot more creativity to it. And I believe that, you know, they they need to embody a much more aggressive posture from the standpoint of how they play defense. You know, because the Bimba don't break methodology can only carry you so far. You know, at some point in time in every single game, you have to um you, you it requires you to play aggressive. And that's not that's not only you know from a front and a linebacker standpoint, but that's from a secondary standpoint. And that's not their nature. That's not what they want to be. They want to prevent the big explosive plays, and they want to create explosive plays on the other side of the ball. Conversely, it takes the same thing. You can't expect to get the explosive plays if you don't run the football well, and you're not setting up you know the right and the opportunity to get explosive plays down the field. Teams are just not going to give you that. So. You know, there are some things that they have to change and there's some things that they have to, you know, do better um, just based upon what, you know, I've seen the last two weeks. It's hard for me to believe that they can write the ship, but, you know, that's why they play the game on Sunday. We'll see what they're made of. Seth Joyner here with us. The last two years, we all knew what the Cowboys were. They could win a bunch of games in the regular season, but when push comes to shove, they don't get the job done in the postseason against the better teams. When you look at Dallas, that was a big statement that they made last night up against the Eagles. How far are you willing to go in terms of what the Cowboys can accomplish this year? Well, I mean, until they prove that they can get it done when it really, really counts, I mean, you know, it's still a regular season game and the Eagles still hold the tiebreaker over them for the division, you know. So while, yes, it's it's a statement game for them to prove that, hey, they can take a step in that direction, at the end of the day, They've got, you know, they got to go to Buffalo. They got to go to Miami. Um, I'm trying to think. They've got one more tough game at home before they finish up with Washington, which is always, no matter how bad Washington is, that's always a dogfight for them. So until they can prove that, you know, they can run the table and get in the playoffs and win a game when it really matters most in the playoffs, you know, 
they're still the Dallas Cowboys, and I look for them at some point to falter like they have, you know, <laughs> the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah. It, you know what? It's crazy, and I think we're on the same page here. I, I call them the drama Dallas choking Cowboys, and I know that you'll never root for the Cowboys. This team, though, is, is very likable uh, this year. They're like, you take the Philly stuff out of it, they are an easy team to watch when you see them play football. Well, listen, I mean, you know, Dak's playing well. Ever since they lost to, you know, the Eagles in the first game, he's been playing lights out. There's no doubt about it. I think the guy's got 24 touchdowns and two interceptions. You know, um, I'm not beyond giving credit where credit is due. Um, you know, defensively, they're extremely opportunistic, but I've seen teams be able to run the football on them, you know, and when I think you can, you can commit to running the football on that defense, you know, that opens up your, your ability to pass the ball, you know, which the Eagles did not do last night. And, you know, then you have an opportunity, you know, to be successful against them. Listen, I, I wouldn't take anything away from them. They had their rough patch, you know, like any other team throughout the years had their rough patch. The Eagles are in their rough patch right now after, you know, such a great start. But, you know, my football eye still tells me, you know, we'll see. I see, you know, the Eagles are struggling to find their footing again. I see the San Francisco 49ers hitting their stride. I see, you know, the Dallas Cowboys with a quarterback who's playing efficiently and a defense, you know, who is very opportunistic, especially if you give them, you know, a lead. Um, But, you know, down the stretch, everybody's got to prove who and what they are. You know, they got to win the games that they got to win. Um, and when you get into the postseason, that's where the rubber really meets the road. So we'll see. Seth Joyner, right now, uh, with Week 14 wrapping up tonight as we have a doubleheader on Monday Night Football, uh, who would you say the MVP is of the NFL this season? Um, I really haven't seen a quarterback just torn it up all season long. I think what Tyreek Hill is doing is just ridiculous. Um, and I think if he if – he, if he reaches 2,000 yards receiving, he should get it. The amount of touchdowns that he's putting up, I if I had a vote, I'd vote him the MVP. Yeah, and, and I 100% agree with you. I just have zero confidence that the voters will do that because this now seems like a quarterback award, and uh, we haven't seen a non-quarterback win it since 2012, and there's never been a wide receiver, uh, unfortunately, uh, that has won it. I just don't trust the voters to, to give it to Tyreek Hill because some will then say, oh, Tua should get it on his own team, even though I, I agree with your analysis. Well, listen, it, 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 you can make that argument for Tua, you know, but when you see a quarterback throw the ball, you know, that Brock Purdy falls into that same arena. When you see a quarterback throwing balls 15, you know, to 20 yards downfield and your wide receivers turn them into 75, 80 yards touchdowns, you know, you also got to give some credit to the guys, you know, just getting those yak yards and those yards after contact as well. Um, so to your point, yeah, you're right. It's traditionally a quarterback-driven um, award, but I think the circumstances are extenuating this year because you look at Patrick Mahomes, he doesn't look like, you know, a MVP quarterback this year, even as great as he is. You know, and all the other quarterbacks have had their games where they've looked like MVPs and then turned around and played like non-MVPs. The one constant that you've seen all season long is Tyreek Hill has just terrorized secondaries all season long, and that's been consistent. 
Last thing I'll ask you, Seth Joyner. The Chiefs did a lot of complaining yesterday after it was an obvious call by the officials. Kadarius Tony was clearly lined up uh, offside. How have you reacted to all the complaining that Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes did after that one yesterday? Uh, listen, I understand why they're complaining, but, you know, you need to shut it down and stop it. You know, you won a Super Bowl, you know, last year off a questionable call because it could have easily been that, you know, you could have let that holding call on Juju Smith-Schuster by James Bradbury, you could have let that go. That referee knew the minute that he threw that flag that the Super Bowl, you know, for all intents and purposes, were over. Uh, was over, I should say. Um if you don't throw that flag or you pick that flag up, then Kansas City has to kick a field goal. The game is tied. Now Jalen Hurst has the ball with a minute and 50 seconds and two timeouts left to go down and see what he can do um, as, as far as having the Eagles having the chance to win that game. But the flag was the flag. The flag was thrown. The Eagles didn't complain about it. None of their coaches or players complained about it. You know, So these guys need to stop complaining about the fact that the referees cost them the game. You know, one play doesn't determine the game, especially a little Hail Mary, you know, pass that you throw. You know, there are some things that happen to put you in a situation where you need to do that. Maybe you need to address that rather than worrying about what the referees are doing because every team in the national football in time during the season could definitely complain about the, uh, the, the, the calls by the referee and opportunities to win a little football game. Seth, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing this. You be well. There you go. Seth Joyner joining us on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. A little phone issue there at the end, but uh, always enjoy when Seth jumps on board with us. We'll come on back. We got some questions. We got some answers. We'll do a little onside, offside. Zach's taking on the most polarizing issues in sports. Which side of the line of scrimmage will he end up on? Offside. Defense number 69. It's Onsides, Offsides with Zach Gelb on CBS Sports Radio. All righty, Onside, Offside time right here on CBS Sports Radio. We turn it over to Stuart Kovacs. Stu, what do we got cooking today? All right, Zach. Well, in college football, the Oregon Ducks landed arguably the biggest prize of the transfer portal on Saturday when former Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel announced that he is headed to Eugene for next season. Gabriel replaces Bo Nix, who had 40 passing touchdowns and just three interceptions for Dan Lanning's team this past season. So onsides, offsides, Oregon will reach the Final Four in next season expanded playoffs with Dylan Gabriel. I absolutely love this move by Dylan Gabriel. And I love this move by Oregon. Because when Bo Nix got there, he was an underwhelming quarterback his first three seasons at Auburn. And now you have the guy who was at UCF and then also Oklahoma that the last few years has 151 total touchdowns coming to your program. So a lot of experience and a lot of good experience there. With that being said, as much as I'm a big fan of Dan Lanning, you go into a tougher conference now in the Big Ten. I know the Pac-12 had an excellent season, um, and there's nothing taken away from that, but you have some good teams in the Big Ten, and also it's tougher to get to the Final Four because as Stu just laid out, the playoff expands to 12 where it's not okay, you're just in the four because you're one of the last four teams remaining when the playoff gets uh, selected. So that's asking a lot after what was a really good but not great season for Oregon. So you say Oregon will reach the Final Four next season in the expanded playoff with Dylan Gabriel. As much as I like that program, I will go offside. Offside! Number two. All right, on Sunday, Bronny James made his long-anticipated debut for USC in their 84-79 loss to Long Beach State. Came you know what's the... funny? Yeah. They lost the game. 
they lost the game. I actually didn't realize that till this morning. <laughs> I didn't hear anyone say that they lost the game. All I saw was that video of LeBron walking through as the game was about to start to see his son play. And then all the jokes when he got his first bucket that, oh, he has more points than his dad ever had in college. That means he's going to be the better player. Those are the only two uh, commentary <laughs> that I heard about the game. I didn't even think to see who won or lost the game. I just assumed USC won. And that made two of us until this morning. I saw it. Uh, Bronny came off the bench. He played 17 minutes. He scored four points, had three rebounds, two steals, and a blocked shot. Onsides, offsides, Bronny James's performance is the most interesting storyline in college basketball this regular season. Well, first off, good health to Bronny James, what he had to overcome uh, back in the summer with the cardiac arrest. I, I can't even imagine uh, what him and his family uh, were going through. But I will answer this question by saying onside it is. Because college basketball, it's not a regular season sport. Like, I enjoy college basketball. But when do we ever really talk about college basketball in the regular season? It's usually right before conference uh, tournament weekend and then in March Madness. So this is someone who is the son of one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And we're all wondering how good is he actually? He's one of the players in college basketball that gives you a reason to just see what he's going to do night in and night out. So I will say on side, do you say Bronny James' performance is the most interesting storyline in college basketball the rest of the regular season? The Lakers defeated the Pacers 123-109 to on Saturday to win the inaugural NBA in-season tournament. This is what it sounded like when Commissioner Adam Silver presented the players with their medals. To the city of Las Vegas, thank you so much for hosting the championships of our first ever in-season tournament. Been a fantastic couple of days here. To the Laker organization, Joey, to you, your sister Jeannie, Rob Palinka, tremendous job, Coach Ham. Thank you very much. To the Indiana Pacers, thank you so much. Herb Simon and your organization, you guys put on a great show. We're trying something a little new this year. We have some medals to present, so kids, oh, hand out the medals. Well, Zach, it gets even worse as the Lakers in the past hour have announced that yeah, they I will be this. hanging a banner. Now, it won't be the same as their regular championship mm -hmm. banners. It'll be just one banner, and they will add to it, I guess, if they win any more of these in the coming years. But, yes, there will be a banner at Crypto.com Arena. So, onsides, offsides, the Lakers' celebration for winning this tournament was warranted. Offside. Offside. You know... <laughs> Okay, so some of the players that don't have these lucrative contracts, they get more money. That's good for the younger players. A trophy presentation, it's not the Lakers' fault. It's the league's fault. There's no need for that. An MVP award of the end-season tournament, no need for that. And the Lakers, I don't care what pressure the league puts on them. A banner? This is the prestigious Los Angeles Lakers. A banner? You're going to see all the retired numbers in that stadium, all the championships, and then a mid-season tournament championship banner? That's a disgrace. Offside. All right, moving to baseball. Show Otani has finally found a new home, but he won't be moving far as he leaves the Angels to sign with the Dodgers on a reported deal that is 10 years and $700 million. The contract far exceeds Aaron Judge's nine-year $360 million deal, which is the largest in the sport's history. Onsides, offsides, the Dodgers will win multiple World Series championships during Otani's tenure. That's offside. They've had a great core. They've had a great team for the last few seasons, more than a few seasons. 
and they've only won one championship and it was in that covid condensed season as well of uh, 2020 um they still need more pitching and they need more healthy pitching as well the lineup's incredible when you see the three names that are in it of uh, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman and Shohei Otani but let's see Otani play in a postseason game first let's see him win one world series first before we start talking about multiple World Series championships. Next one. The Chargers lost quarterback Justin Herbert with a broken finger on his throwing hand in yesterday's 24-7 loss to the Broncos. And Herbert will reportedly miss Thursday's matchup against the Raiders, as Easton Stick will likely start. Through four seasons, Herbert has 32 losses, which is actually the third most in the last 10 years uh, for through 40 games, behind only Blake Bortles. He has 40. Derek Carr with 34. Jameis Winston with 33. So... Herbert up there with a lot of losses in his first uh, five seasons. Onsides, offsides, Herbert will eventually reach the AFC Championship game as a member of the Chargers. And it's also time to answer Ask the Pros question. We'll do a double whammy here since it's a Chargers one as well. And it's brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Cigar smoking dude, my man on Twitter, says, should the Chargers bench Justin Herbert for the rest of the season? It's a lost cause anyway. You can submit a question by tweeting at CBS Sports Radio or at Zach Gelb using the hashtag Ask the Pros. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. If I was running the Chargers and assuming Herbert is out for Thursday, which is the indication, I would shut him down for the rest of the season. But we know the Chargers won't do that because there are jobs that are on the line. Now, you asked me, will uh, Herbert eventually reach the AFC Championship game with the Chargers? I don't know their coach is going to be next year. So it's tough for me to answer that and say yes. The Chargers are always that team. They have a lot of talent, and they never meet the expectations. Phillip Rivers made the AFC Championship game once, and that's when he was playing on a torn ACL up against the Patriots. I was at that game back in the 2007 regular season, which was uh, January of 28, uh, 2008 in the postseason. But until I see them consistently get it right with the Chargers, I'm not saying they're going to reach the AFC Championship game, so I will go offside. Offside! And finally... And last one, the Saints dominated the Panthers 28-6 yesterday, but it didn't come without incident as quarterback Derek Carr had a shouting match with offensive lineman Eric McCoy following a bad play. Carr also revealed following the game that he's fractured three ribs this season, including one last week against the Lions. And that, that of course, is on top of the multiple concussions that he's had Mm -hmm. this season. So onsides, offsides, the Saints should go with Jameis Winston as their quarterback for the rest of the season. Did David Carr write this question, who last week was advocating (laughs) for Marcus Mariota? Or uh, as uh, the commissioner called him, Marcus Mariotto, when he got drafted. When uh, Mariota, um, you know, right now is the backup for the Eagles. You had Carr advocating for him to replace Jalen Hurts. And then David Carr still thinks he's right. He asked Philly last night on Twitter, you know, let's have this conversation now, Eagles fans. So you know what? Yeah, the Saints should go with Jameis Winston as their quarterback going forward. Because if, if David Carr could say erroneous things and get paid for it, I could say erroneous things and get paid for it as well. All righty, that's Onside Offside here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, We can fade down the music. We got two games coming up tonight, Tennessee at Miami, and you have Green Bay at the New York Football Giants. Pat Boyle, I heard you have a a big play on the Pat Boyle pick here on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. I got a couple for you, Zach. Which one would you like? like We only got a minute, so give me me the pick (laughs) that you like the best. I like both dogs, honestly. Mike Vrabel is good for one of these every single year. Mm -hmm. He should have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs last year in Sunday Night Football as a 14-point dog. He finds himself as a 14-point dog again. Not many coaches in the NFL are better than mucking up a game, slowing it down. Derrick Henry is going to see a lot of touches tonight. I think the Titans have this as a one-score game. 
game in the final five minutes, and I'm taking Derrick Henry anytime touchdown because anybody on the Dolphins, the odds are ridiculous. So yeah. Derrick Henry's plus odds anytime touchdown. 155. And I like the G-Men plus five and a half. Oh, you're such a homer. No, I'm not. Jordan you Love. You never pick against the Giants. They stink. Jordan Love has been on this magic carpet ride. Christian Fair. Watson, out. Aaron Jones, again, out. He's Fair. not going to have as much success in the passing game. G-Men have been playing great on defense. They'll keep it close. Give me big blue. Here is my play tonight. Plus 626, two-leg parlay. Derrick Henry, anytime touchdown, was in on it. Romeo Dobbs, anytime touchdown, plus 626. That's the Zach Yelp Show on CBS Sports Radio. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for listening and tweeting, calling the show. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. We out. Bye-bye. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 